Good morning, Greenhouse Church. Ooh, good morning, everybody. Listen, if you haven't already registered for Breakthrough, why? Right, if you haven't gone, please register, like, hop on the website, hit up JC, register for Breakthrough. You do not want to miss it. All right, listen, but aside from that, today we're hopping back into the series entitled Who We Are, where we talk a little bit about who we are as a church. But I think if we're honest, a lot of these aspects of who we are should be who we are as people. Right, so we talked about how the Holy Spirit, we should be people of the Holy Spirit. We should be people who embody grace. And this week, we will be continuing our conversation, going through the Greenhouse Church Scripture Fluency, trying to figure out who we are as it relates to Scripture, right? We want to be Scripture fluent. Anybody excited for that this morning? All right, hop to your feet with me, hop to your feet. We're going to read and then we're going to pray. If you have a Bible, grab it and turn with me to Psalm chapter 1, Psalm chapter 1. If you don't have it, don't worry, there is the biggest projector screen I have ever seen behind me, and you can look for it up on there too. We ready? All right, cool. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. It says, whatever they do prospers. Let's pray. Jesus, all that we are and all that we have comes from you. God, everything we're going to talk about today, the Bible, it comes from you. God, as a communicator, I have no eloquence. I have no type of speech that can mean anything. But Holy Spirit, we ask that you speak today. Holy Spirit, show up and show out, move over people's hearts and minds today. In the magnificent name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You can have your seat. All right, listen, I'm excited to talk a little bit about us, what it means to be scripture fluent. But before that, I have to ask a very odd question. I hope it's a question with a simple answer. The question is, do you want to be blessed? Not rhetorical. You can answer me. Do you want to be blessed? Right? right? Tremendously, right? We all want to be blessed. Right? But not just like financially blessed, right? But do you want to be like holistically blessed, right? In every area of your life, not just your money, but your peace, not just your money, but your joy, right? We all want to be blessed. But I'll tell you the truth. I grew up in church. I've been in church my entire life. I've never once made the correlation between the scriptures and being blessed, right? We, we, we're blessed. Well, no, you're blessed when you give, and you're blessed when you serve. But I don't know the last time I've heard anybody say, you're blessed when you read the Bible. Never in my Christian life have I heard that until, again, I was reading Psalms 1. And it starts with the word blessed. It says the person who reads is blessed. And since we all want to be blessed, there are a lot of ways you could do it. I'm going to talk to you about one. One way you can ensure that you are blessed is if you are scripture fluent right scripture fluent what do we mean by fluent we're going to talk a little bit about that today but if you want to be blessed listen pay attention online if you want to be blessed pay attention if not you can turn it off but why wouldn't you want to be blessed right so listen everybody ready for this all right cool so first we're going to ask this question how do i become blessed 
right? If you were to type it in on Google, I'm sure there would be at least 6 billion references that popped up. But instead, we're going to really answer a question that the Bible just answered for us. He said, there are two ways you can assure that you are blessed. One is your company. It says the people who you are around can hinder you from being blessed. I didn't make that up. That's what it says. It says the blessed man doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful. He doesn't chill with mockers. He doesn't, he doesn't hang out with certain type of people. He doesn't make his identity in step with certain types of people. But John's going to talk about that in a couple of weeks as we talk about microchurches and community. This week, we're going to talk about the scripture fluency. And it says, the blessed person's delight is in the law of the Lord. And it is in that law that they meditate day and night. You see, there is a correlation between what you do and the outcomes that you get. We don't often like correlations. We don't often like things that are a little bit of give and take. But the things that you meditate on and are fluent in become the avenue through which you can be blessed or not blessed. That is pretty simple. The things that you fix your mind on, the things that we gaze at, can become the ways we walk to get blessed or the things that sit and stop in the way from us receiving that everything God has for us, right? And it's not only the meditate on, but you are fluent in. Now, when I was getting ready for this, I only know one language. I am fluent in English. That is it to my Jamaicans. I'm also fluent in Patois, but they don't really count that one on my job applications. So we will count English. I am fluent in English. But I had to figure out, like, what does it mean to be fluent in something? Does it just mean you can speak it well? Does it just mean that you have a good grasp on it? I'm going to read to you what, like, the fluent people, right? The people who are at the center for language fluency, how they describe the term fluent. They say this. You are fluent in a language if you can assess yourself. The great way to assess yourself and your level of fluency is if you find yourself constantly translating between your target language and your own native language in your mind. If you are able to speak and to think in the target language, you are fluent. If we're going to be scripture fluent, we have to not only be able to speak it, but to think it. To in our minds be able to grasp what God has said and translate it to day-to-day -day life. A lot of times, I think we are better scripture readers and scripture quoters than we are scripture fluent. I can speak for myself, right? I can quote a lot of Bible. I have a hard time living a lot of it because there is a barrier between my reading and my fluency. It's not that I don't know that the Bible says to be humble. But it's that in my mind, I cannot translate that to the way that I live my life. And when we talk about being fluent, that's what we mean. So when I use the term scripture fluent today, it simply means that when we are scripture fluent, scripture has influenced our life in such a way that when we think, we think the words of God. And because we think it, we also act on it. That is what we will be talking about today as we discuss what it means to be fluent. But the Center for like Language Fluency also reminds us that fluent isn't perfect. There is nobody who is fluent in a language that is like, oh, I have a perfect grasp of the English language. I, well, like I said, I only speak English. And I still failed a couple English tests growing up in school. Because fluency does not mean I'm perfect at a language. It means that I don't have to translate it over and over again from my mind to comprehend it.
So when we say talk about being Bible fluent, we're not saying like, oh, if you're scripture fluent, you just like, like your Bible plan has like 866 days running. Like you ain't miss a day. Like you go to every microchurch meeting. Like if you're scripture fluent, you go to service every Sunday. Like you ain't miss nothing. No, that is perfect. And ain't nobody perfect but Jesus. And that's why we're here to begin with. But there is an aspect of fluency. Fluency helps you bring what you read and bring it to real life. Fluency is when you no longer have to pause and say, well, how do I say? You ever been talking to somebody who English isn't their first language and they pause for a second and like, how do I say? Or I used to work in retail at the Sawgrass Mall. God has delivered me from that. But I used to work in retail at the Sawgrass Mall and there are often be people coming in and they're like, and, and I'm trying to communicate to them and I got to call my boss and be like, how do I say dressing room in Spanish? And I still don't remember how to do it. Obviously, I wasn't good at my job. But because I wasn't fluent in it, I had to cognate, I had to sit and think hard about what it meant. The goal for us as believers is to be scripture fluent. When we approach a situation in life, we don't have to go, Jesus, like what it, what did he say about like being angry? What did he say about being boastful? Instead, the Holy Spirit is so able to bring it to our remembrance because we remembered it to begin with. So we desire to be scripture fluent. Well, we, so, so how do we get there, right? Well, the Bible tells us, it says, we first have to do two things. It says delight and meditate. So when it comes to the Bible, we who desire to be scripture fluent, we delight and meditate. I will read to you from the Greenhouse Church scripture fluency. It says, disciples are people who abide in the word of God. They prioritize hearing, reading, studying, meditating, memorizing, and applying the words of scripture. We delight and meditate. Delight means we don't begrudgingly read the word of God. It's not a chore that we take off and we're like, oh, got that done today. Right? Like it's not the reading plan thing where it's like, all right, let me check it off because I'm on a reading plan with my microchurch and I don't want them to realize that like I haven't done it in like four days. Please, by all means, do that. But when you delight in something, nobody has to convince you to do it. Right? Nobody has to convince, like I delight in cheesecake and you don't got to tell me to go to the cheesecake factory. Honestly, depending on what time we get out of here, I might go. Thank you, Lisa. I see you in the back. Praise God. Right? Like, if you like cheesecake, you, like, you don't have to convince me to go. I might just show up. That's another reason I'm glad I don't work at Sawgrass no more, because it was not good for my weight or my wallet. Right? But because I delight in it, you don't got to convince me to do that. You don't have to convince people who like cars to go to car shows. But can we be real for a minute? Delighting in scripture isn't natural. It's not something that you wake up just naturally by yourself and go, oh, I love the Bible so much. I'm going to just learn Greek because I want to. Like, that's not something that happens. Instead, God has to help you delight. If we find it hard to delight in the things of God, I have one simple question for you. Did you ask him to help you? Like, like, did you really, like, did you, like, we ask God for a lot of stuff, but did we ask him to help us delight? So we delight, but we also meditate. And when we talk about meditation, I'm not just talking about the, the part of meditation where you empty your mind and you let nothing. No, no, no. We meditate on what the word of God has said. 
You see, the gap between reading and doing is filled by meditation. If you don't meditate on the word of God, you will become a very incredible scholar and a very poor Christian. Because when we just read for the sake of acquiring information, we don't let the word transform us. Right? And so instead, we don't read, we don't read to check off a box. We don't read to finish. We read to feed. So we don't sit down and read God's word to be done with it, but we read to feed. And what, what like, let me illustrate that for a second. Has anybody ever been like in a rush and you just run by McDonald's real quick? Like you're like, I got like 10 minutes before this meeting. I can run through the drive-thru or somewhere else, McDonald's. Your favorite fast food place, Chipotle. But like you don't have the time to sit down and enjoy a meal. You have a drive-thru relationship with your three square meals a day. I wonder how many of us have a drive-thru relationship with the word of God. I, me too. Ah, that hurt me. Like, because... It's the reality, like, oh, I got to read it right now. Like, if I don't read it before I, like, I leave the house this morning, like, if it's not going to sit with me, I, I, I just got to get it done. We have a drive-through relationship with the Word of God, and we, we approach God like we approach fast food. Let me just get it done. Like, nobody eats, well, very few people eat McDonald's because they're like, man, I really want McDonald's right now. Like, I know, like, three people over the course of my life who, like, they just crave McDonald's. You go to McDonald's because it's cheap and because it's fast. But like, that's why we go. But maybe that has translated to our relationship with God and our reading of scripture because it's cheap and it's fast and we do the quickest and most convenient thing. In the same way that a lifetime spent eating McDonald's will not be good for your health. A lifetime spent having a fast, a fast food drive-through relationship with the word of God will not be good for your spiritual health. Some of the best food I've ever had, I had to sit down to eat. Like some of the best restaurants I have ever been to, you had to sit down, somebody had to come with a very nice cloth and put it over your lap. They had white gloves on and you knew you were gonna be there for a couple hours because you were going to get a three, four, five course meal. But when you left, you were like, man, I'm so glad somebody else paid for that, but it was so good, right? Like, <laughs> right? like it was worth it. When we meditate on the word of God, we enjoy it. We sit down and set aside time so that it properly feeds us. We don't just sit down for a one-course meal. We get an, a soup, an entree, an appetizer, a dessert. We might go back for a second entree. Like We sit down and we wait until it transforms us. I will tell you what your goal should be for reading the Bible. Read the Bible until it reads you. Until you read something in it and you're like, Mm, right like it just didn't uplift me but it challenged me today when you are scripture fluent you let the word challenge who you are and then when you meditate it challenges what you think you see when you meditate on the word of God he's just not a healer in the bible but he's a healer in real life when you meditate on the word of God, he just isn't a way maker in the Bible, but he's a way maker in real life. When you believe what you've read, closed doors become opportunity for God to move. If we find ourselves with a faith problem, I bet you meditating on God's word will fix it. When you hear about a woman who struggled with an issue of blood for 12 years and she touched the hem of his garment 
and she was immediately healed. It will give you faith to believe that if he did it for her then, he can do it for me now. Because when we read the word of God, we're reading about a God who was, is, and is to come. He is the same. He has not changed. So I encourage you to meditate because it will build your faith. And then God stops being out there and miracles stop being things that he did. And instead we wait on it. We wait with expectation, believing that what he has done, he will do again. Because I don't know about you, but I know one thing to be true. God ain't changed. He has not changed. He will not change. The Bible says it like this. It says he has no variableness or shadow of changing. He don't turn his back. He doesn't change his decisions. So instead, meditate on what he said. If you find faith for your, your, your breakthrough or your dream heart to come by, Remind yourself that he knows the plans that he has for you. Remind yourself that all things work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Meditate on the word of God until it makes your biggest mountains look like anthills. Meditate and read until you recognize that there has yet to be a problem that he hasn't solved. There has yet to be something that was hard that he hasn't been able to do. Well, and the Bible starts and it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it says the earth was without form and void. But it says, listen, the first sentence, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is faith stirring right there. Because if he made the heavens and the earth, the sun, the moon, and the stars, what can't he do? Let your Bible reading so influence you that you meditate on it and it changes you. It changes your outlook on it. If you, like me, just have a very passing relationship with scriptures from time to time, that's fine, but it can get better. You can go deeper. You can get more from the Bible than just reading another textbook because I didn't read those when I was in school, so I'm not going to read them now, right? But you can get a little bit more than that. You can sit down and meditate. And so here's some advice. If you always spend like, hey, I just want five minutes with the Bible this week. During your quiet time, during your Sabbath, set aside a little bit more time this week. And sit there and don't read to finish. Don't, you don't have to read a chapter. You don't have to read an entire book. Sometimes reading one verse is enough for the day. And the word we see in the scripture, that means meditate. It is to slowly process and digest. It is to mull over. And so let your Bible reading influence every single day of your life. And But not every day, every moment of your life. If you read a verse in the morning with your devotion, think about it for the rest of the day. Let it minister to you. God isn't done speaking. A lot of us just only have a certain amount of time for listening. But he will speak all day, every day. And honestly, when you meditate, he solves a lot of your problems before they pop up. When you are worried and you recognize in Matthew and it said, listen, what are you worried about when you have the very hairs on your head numbered? When you sit down and take to heart what God has said, it will transform you from the inside out. But I, I mentioned that meditation fills the gap. So the gap is between reading, which we all probably know how to do, and meditating. 
But there's a reason people view churches as hypocritical places. Because there is the gap, but the gap stops us from doing. And that is what we need to talk about now. You see, you've meditated on it, and it has impacted you in some very real ways. But how do you do it? Well, first, you become what you behold. Right? Like, the more you look into the perfect law of liberty that sets you free is the more that it changes you. Psalms 119, 148 says, I am awake through every watch of the night to meditate on your promise. The, the man said, listen, I don't even go to sleep. He's like, I'm awake all night meditating on the goodness of God. Now, if you're not there yet, it's okay. I ain't either. But that is a beautiful place to strive to be. To where you are so enamored by the goodness of God that it continues to keep you up. Joshua would say it like this. Joshua said, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. And Jesus would have said it like this. If you really want to hear from Jesus, Jesus said, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's pretty interesting that the Bible echoes its necessity so many times within itself. It is a constant reminder from every page of scripture how important it is to read. And so when we are faced with anger and we are faced and tempted, we know that we meditate like Jesus was tempted in every way that we are tempted, yet he did not fail. Why? Because we have a high priest that is touched with the very feelings of our infirmities. When you meditate, you recognize that the Bible says you can be angry. And when you are angry, it is okay to feel it. But the Bible also says to be angry and sin not. When you meditate, everyday situations start to find their solution because God has already answered it in a book he authored over 2,000 years ago. And so instead of stumbling through life, we find it easy and we find it blessed to walk through it. But like I said, we don't just meditate for the sake of head knowledge. When it comes to the Bible, we do. We don't just let it inform us, but we let it transform us. James says it like this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. You see, when we look at the Bible and it is just, oh, I read it today, I can close it. That was great. I'm gonna go on about my life. It doesn't transform you. And James said, it's not, don't even do that. Like, like, don't just be a reader, but be a doer. If the Bible says to turn the other cheek, I'm sorry, but it said what it said. If it says to love your neighbor as yourself, we don't really get to choose to cut people off just because, right? Because they don't serve us in this season. But instead, we put others more important than ourselves. Right? We have stories like the Good Samaritan where the person he was helping could help him in no way, but he loved on them anyway. What if we had a body of believers who looked like the book that they professed? Who loved like the book that they professed? Jesus didn't just give us these long list of things and make it hard for us to do it. Instead, he has given us stories and applications and metaphors over hundreds of pages 
so that we can walk and talk and live like him. He's given us the manual for life. Peter says everything that we need for life and godliness is given in the knowledge of him. I encourage you to let the scriptures transform who you are. And every day read them until you find something in them that challenges you and then sit on it. Sit in that place until the Holy Spirit helps you to progress in that area. And it might just not be a week. It might not be a month. I spent all of last year in one chapter of Psalms. Because that is what I needed in that entire year. And I guarantee you, somebody brought that psalm up at least once every two weeks. And I was like, all right, God, I'm going to stay right here. And don't let, like, the trauma of religiousness cause you to feel like you're not doing enough. If you're meditating on one passage and on one verse and God is still speaking to you, keep reading it if he's going to keep talking. The goal of this is to hear from God if he's speaking and ministering and transforming you. Don't let your, our religious fervor and our appetite for completion stop us from getting all that God has from us. Because we don't read to finish, we read to feed. And we read until it transforms us. And that might take a little bit longer than it's okay. And that's fine. If your Bible plan is a little lapsed, but you're reading it every day, that's fine. Read it like let God minister to you. Let him fix the areas in you that he wants to. Let him minister and heal broken parts of you. Don't rush his process because you need to finish your Bible in a year. It's okay. You can finish it later, but let him minister to you. We don't serve God out of a place of completion. We serve him because we loved him and because he first loved us. And it is his love that causes us to be and to do all that it is that he is calling us to be and to do. Well, Pastor Malik, this is a lot like, what does all this mean? Well, first and foremost, after you leave today, I want you to do something that has been the most powerful thing in my Christian walk. I mentioned earlier that many of us, myself included, don't like often pray for the stuff we want God to do. Right? So I'll tell you a story, a little bit of self-disclosure here. If you don't know me, I went to Bible college for undergrad. That is what my undergrad degree is in, Christian ministry or whatever. Right? But I remember when my parents and my youth pastor dropped me off at Bible college. And they left the room. And I'm sitting in the room by myself. And I would like to say it was imposter syndrome, but it wasn't because it was true. I sat there and I was like, I don't even read the Bible enough to be here. I sat in that room and I was like, I'm pretty sure I am on day 96 of a three-day plan. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, I know I read it on Sunday, but it's Friday. And I sat there on that campus and I was like, all right, God, if I'm going to do this, you're going to have to help me. And I prayed a very, very simple prayer. I said, God, help me to love your word. And he answered it. And I know what it's like to have God not answer prayers. I spent like 10 years praying for a puppy when I was little and I still don't got a dog today. Right. And so like, I know what that's like. <laughs> and he probably knew I couldn't be, been responsible enough to deal with that anyway. But I know what that's like. But when I tell you God answered that prayer in abundance, I love God's word so much. I don't even really need to talk to nobody else. If I read my Bible all day, I am fine. Why? Because he answers prayer. And it's not just me. Over the summer, we had a scripture uh, summer dive discipleship class. And I gave the participants all the same prayer. 
And I had a student come back to me uh, maybe about two months ago. And she was like, Pastor Malik, Pastor Malik, it worked. And I was like, what worked? And she said, I prayed for God to read, to like love the Bible. And I wake up in the middle of the night and I just want to read it. And I was like, oh, look at God. Because if you ask him for more of him, he ain't going to say no. If you ask God to open your eyes and to give you a love and a desire for him, he's not going to be like, I don't want to give you. Why would I give you? That's all he wants to give you. And so if you find faith or peace or joy or a love for prayer or the scriptures hard to come by, pray every day until God awakens that thing in you. And when he does, you will be all the more happy and joyous from it. Pray for a love of the scriptures. And then surround yourself by people who love it. Right? Like, if I wanted to lose weight, I wouldn't go to Cheesecake Factory all the time. I would go to people like my friend Jack, who are real good at doing exercise stuff. Obviously, you know what I don't, I say exercise stuff. That tells you where my brain is at. Right? Like, I really don't do this. I don't, all I do is run my mouth. I don't run nothing else. Right? But, <laughs> but if I wanted to be fit, I would go around fit people. If you want people, if you want to love the word, pray for God to surround you with community who loves the scriptures, right? And I love it. Micah's here. If me and Micah get on a Zoom call for a Bible study, clear, clear our calendars. I think our record is like five hours. We just sit down and talk the Bible for five hours, but it refills me because it reminds me that God can awaken a love for his word and people who aren't me and who don't work at a church. Surround yourself with people who light that fire in you to love God's word. If you are around people all the time, all day, every day who don't read the Bible, you might just, like, you might not read it either. But not only pray for a love, but act on it. Second application point I have for us today is fairly simple. If you don't know, now you know. We are, we have, we got, we official, y'all. We on the version app. Like we got up, right? We got up on there, right? And so like we are official, please like take your phone out, scan this QR code, right? If you don't have it, that's fine. We'll get it to you. Scan this QR code and set Greenhouse Church in South Florida as your church. Why is that important? Because instead of us just telling you to read the Bible and kind of sort of leaving you on to your own devices, we have worked on, and Matt Ulrich in Gainesville has worked on a Bible plan that you can take in 30-day sprints. Take it and read it, and there'll be another one waiting for you when you do. And it's okay if you miss a day or two. Like we said, we don't read to finish anyway, right? And so, like, join it. Like, listen, I am so excited for what God is going to do through that. And if you need prompts or devotion, we're just going to have that all for you in one very, very beautiful step. But I ask you to pray. I told you to sign up for an app, but I do need you to do something this week. This week, commit to meditating on the scriptures for the next seven days. I didn't ask you to finish a chapter. I'm not asking you to finish a book. I'm asking you to commit to having intentional days of meditation where you see what God has to say and you ruminate on it. You Google it. You call somebody and you talk to them about it. You squeeze all you can from that verse so that it nourishes your mind, your body, and your soul. And this just isn't like wrote, oh, the pastor told me to read the Bible more today. God loves you too much to have you do something that doesn't bless you. 
And so we will close by looking at verse 3 of the text we read today. And verse 3 says this. It talks about the person whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And it says, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. There is a distinct, specific blessing tied to delighting in the word of God. God said, listen, when you make the word your delight, whatever you do, prosper. That sounds like a really nice blessing to me. And you are like a tree that is, you become firm and rooted, not only in your faith, but who you are as a person. When you recognize that your identity is found in God and not in anybody else, nobody can shake you. When you read who your God is and what he has done, your faith becomes unmovable. If you want unshakable faith, unshakable faith is found in delighting and meditating on the word of God because he keeps his promises. And as I close, I would like for all of us to remember this simple fact. He loves you too much to have you do something for no reason. Right? Like, I grew up in church and I often felt like I just read the Bible to read it. Like it was just a book and then nothing came from it. But God loves you too much to give you something and be like, hey, this is great. Just read it for no reason. Instead, he promises a blessing, but his presence joins you when you read. We talked a few weeks about, about like being, script, being spirit fluent. And now sometimes people choose to either be Bible fluent or Holy Spirit fluent. Instead, we want to do both. And so when we read the word of God, we read as the spirit speaks to us. We let God talk to us about what he wrote. Because I've read a lot of commentaries, but his is still the best one. Because he wrote the book, we let him talk to us and transform us. My friend, if you are still figuring out God, faith, spirituality, if you don't even know if you really like this church thing, start in the book. If you start right here, he, God will show you things that I can't convince you can happen. He will stir your faith in waves that I, John, anybody who grabs one of these microphones can't convince you of. But I implore you, to let the scriptures change your life. If you do nothing else over the course of your Christian walk, endeavor to look more like the type of person the Bible illustrates to us. Somebody who has faith that can move mountains. Somebody who believes that their God can still do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could ever ask or think. And today I'm gonna to ask our prayer partners to come forward. And if you want a prayer, like just, just love the Bible more, that's cool. But if you need a miracle in your life today, because he said it, we believe it. And if there is any door that you think is shut forever, let's pray to the God we know can still do it because he said he can. If there is something that you don't believe he can do, let's try him and see what happens. Because today we are not only going to put our faith in action, but we are going to pray to put this Bible in action. Because he still does miracles today. He still exceeds expectations today. He still is able to do more than you could ever expect today. And this book is just a reminder that if he did it before, he can do it again. So we believe in God because his word says that he can. We believe that he heals because his word says that he can. We believe that he can open wounds because his word says that he can. When I grew up, they had a song and the song said, God, any rivers you think are uncrossable. 
God, any mountains you cannot tunnel through. Our God specializes in things that are called impossible and he can do what no other God can do. If he did it for the three Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace, he can do it for you. If he did it for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he can do it for you. If he did it for Peter, James, and John, he can do it for you. And the list of people in the Bible who he has come through for continues to go on and on and on. And today I invite you to add your name to that list. Whatever you desire for God to do, we're believing that he can do it today. So prayer partners come forward. We're going to sing a song of worship. But I don't want you to leave here with expectations that are unmet. I don't want you to just leave here hearing a beautiful sermon about the grace and the, and the Bible and all this stuff and not give God a shot to prove to you that he can still do it today. So we're going to sing and I invite you all to leave your seats and to come forward. Take a step of faith and invite God into your situation because he did it then and I promise you he can do it now.